Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 507 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we are talking about medium-term rental strategies for Airbnb hosts something that we haven't really discussed a lot on this podcast, but I think with the flexibility that people have these days, uh, it could be a really interesting uh, strategy to either dive into or combine for investors and for Airbnb house. So I've got the the expert, Ziona McIntyre. She's been on the podcast before. She's a real estate investor. She has her own real estate company. She has She owns 12 units across long-term, mid-term, and short-term. She's the host of, or co-host of the Investify podcast. And she's also the one of the authors of a, a book that's coming up, or the author, I'll, I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong, but the author of the of a book, 30 Day Stays, that's going to be published by Bigger Pocket. So you're doing a lot. I know you started in 2012, <laughs> same year as I started. I think we, we talked a long time ago. You were on the podcast. So excited to have you back, Siona. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think we met at 2015 at the Airbnb conference. I wish they still did those. Yeah, yeah. the Airbnb open, the good old Airbnb open. I know. And I do have to say that I am a co-author of the 30-Day Stay book, The Investor's Guide to Mastering the Medium-Term Rental with Sarah Weaver. So yeah, I definitely want to give her credit. Awesome. Awesome. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, before we dive into this topic of medium-term rentals, give us a quick background of like what you you own 12 units. Can you just kind of give us your, your story? You've been in this for decades. Yeah. So hard to believe. Did, yeah. That is, that is a little bit about your story. Yeah. So the way I started in the Airbnb movement is just from hearing about it from a friend. And he was very persistent. He lived in New York City and he was trying it on his apartment there. And after about a year of him bothering me about it, he told me that he had made $50,000 on his apartment. And at that time I was in college and I was thinking like, wow, that is like, that's like a hundred thousand dollars today. You know, it was like a full, really nice salary. And so I was like, man, okay, maybe there is something to this side hustle. So I was living in Boulder, Colorado, where I still live. And I had an extra room. I had a two bedroom apartment I was renting. And I had a roommate who was moving out and it was already furnished with all my stuff. And so I thought, well, you know, no harm, no foul. Just put it on Airbnb. If it doesn't work, you know, I'll just get a roommate. 
And it worked so well that I ended up getting another apartment and doing it for years until I could buy something. And yeah, now it's just taken on a life of its own. So there goes the side hustle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you own 12 units. You mentioned there's some are long-term, some are medium-term, some are short-term. So you're kind of doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about those units and like where are they located? Yeah. So I was a co-host for people for a long time. That was kind of my entry point. And so I have co-hosted in five countries all over the US, 60 units. And so that gave me the skill and know-how to, to break into new markets. I think a lot of times people get a little bit contained with like, well, I'm in one city and I'm going to have to have all my rentals in that city. But very quickly, I realized Boulder was too expensive for me to get too many units. So I had one here and then I moved to St. Louis and I ended up getting four there. And then I eventually got some more places in Colorado, got some places in Florida. I have a place in Washington state. So they're kind of all over and it really just depends on where I find the next exciting deal. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's dive, let's dive into the topic for today. Sure. Medium-term rental strategies. Now, first of all, like, what? how do we define a medium-term rental? Well, exactly as our book states, it's 30 days, right? So it's kind of this magic number that as soon as something is under 30 days or even 28 days, cities will crack down and be like, these are short-term rentals. And so I feel like medium-term rentals have really grown out of this necessity of, hey, we, we're not allowed to do short-term in a lot of places now, but we can do medium. And since COVID, so many people are traveling and they're living in medium term rentals full time. So mm -hmm. it is there's a lot of demand for it and really not enough people offering them. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of experienced that myself as I was a digital nomad from 2010 until 2018 or something. It was always yeah. really hard to find affordable accommodation for like two or three months or even for yeah. one month because Airbnb is like usually just too expensive. And then, you know, the other option is to go on Craigslist and, and to find somebody who will sublet it to you, which is a lot of work. And yeah, I've always wondered, like, you know, it'd be nice if there's like a platform like Airbnb, but then for those medium term stays. But I guess, you know, we can use Airbnb for medium term stays. I think, I think it's actually the fastest growing category on the Airbnb platform right now. Yes, it definitely is. And I don't know if you've kind of experimented with Furnish Finder, but Furnish Finder is exactly that. It's month to month for the mm -hmm. most part. Yeah. 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 I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Okay. So medium term rentals, it's it's 30 days. So what about like 40 days or 50 or 60 days? Is that a medium term rental too? It is. So it's anything above 30 days furnished, right? right. So unfurnished is kind of a whole different game. And mm -hmm. I think it's just harder because you've got people moving furniture in and out and scraping your walls and making problems. So yeah. I like having furnished spaces. So let's touch on the advantages of medium-term rentals over short-term rentals. So you've already mentioned, you know, some markets, it's just not possible to do short-term rentals, right? So yeah. you kind of don't have a choice. But what are some other advantages that you've experienced? Yeah. So what I was finding from doing short-term rentals for so many years is that there was this kind of period of the first maybe three days that people would be asking a lot of questions, right? They're trying to get to know your house. What's the Wi-Fi? Where's the trash? How does everything work? But with a medium-term rental, you've got people learning that, and then they might stay three months, they might stay six months. So 
you really don't have that much to deal with. You don't have as much communication. You don't have as many check-ins and checkouts. It's just an easier tenant. And so I've come to really like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is this something that we can combine with short-term rentals? Like I know a lot of people are in seasonal markets where in the high season, you know, short-term rentals are doing great. But then like, you know, during the low season, often in the winter time, it's hard to fill up the units. Like, is this something that we can combine? Yeah, I find that it's actually really perfect because a lot of the tenants are traveling nurses. And so a traveling nurse, they do 13-week assignments and sometimes they'll extend to another 13 weeks. And so that's about three months. And it's just really great because it will fill up that slow season. If you've got a slow pocket somewhere, you can perfectly put a nurse in there and that sometimes gets you through. So rather than having a couple of awkward you know, bookings and a lot of big gaps. So mm-hmm. I, I find that I like that a lot more. Yeah. Is Furnished Finders, that's a, that's a platform that's focused on traveling nurses, right? Yes, but it's kind of become more popular. So it's really just expanded. There's a lot of people that are traveling for tech or they're doing renovations to their house. So you, mm-hmm. you find a lot of different people on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just reading a couple of days ago, there's a company called Landing and we were just chatting about it before we start recording. This is basically a company, they raised $125 million, which is kind of crazy. And what they do is they have like a, a membership model where people can sign up and then they can stay at any of Landing's apartments for anywhere from like a couple of weeks to like a few months. And the whole idea is that you can stay somewhere temporarily for, you know, like a reasonable price, but also gives you like the flexibility to, you know, move out whenever you want and not be stuck to like fees and contracts and things like that. So there's a lot of money moving into the space. Yeah. So I think I think it's definitely it's definitely a really interesting topic right now. Now you have long-term rentals, you have short-term rentals, you have medium-term rentals. What can mm-hmm. you tell us about the differences in ROI that you're seeing? Yeah. So here's a really general rule of thumb. You've got market rate on long terms. I'd say it's about one and a half times is what you get on a medium term and you get about two times market rate for a short term. Sometimes it's different than that, but that's a really good general rule. The short terms, there's a lot more expenses. You have to kind of be careful about that. I think people get really dazzled by these large numbers that people talk about and then they don't realize that, wow, there's a lot of expenses. You have a little bit less in medium term. And so, yeah, it's sort of what I like to talk about is like the comfort continuum. If you're going to get really uncomfortable, you're going to make the most money. If you want something super comfortable, you'll make the least. And so Mm. long term with a property manager, yeah, you might not make much, but it's as easy as it comes. And Mm. short term, it's a lot of work, but you might make more money. So you just kind of have to see where are you in your investing horizon. Yeah. You mentioned that you know midterm rentals also kind of gives you access to to areas where short-term rentals are not allowed right now we've seen that you know urban markets haven't recovered to the extent that like remote the secondary markets and remote places have have recovered so is that is that an interesting strategy like if you're if you're in a major city to move into short midterm rentals versus short term actually you know i think air dna said that urban markets are recovering a lot. So, you know, I might be wrong with this, but I think that there's a transition now that as people are moving into this recessionary period, they may be a little less likely to travel to a traditional vacation rental market, but they're still going to go visit their families 
right? Mm -hmm. And so it seems like there's more demand shifting to the urban markets. And with people that are doing digital nomad work or they're just traveling for business, they often want to be close to a city center or close to an office that they might pop in and out of. And so you, there is a lot of demand in urban markets. And the last thing is traveling nurses, which has really exploded since COVID. And you're not going to see as many of those in more of a rural market or a vacation only mm -hmm. market. Yeah, for sure. So let's say if someone's listening and, and thinking like, hey, let's, let's try some medium term rentals, like where do we go to get our customer? Is it is it Airbnb and Furnished Finders? Are there any other places where we can find our customers? Yeah, so I use Airbnb and Furnished Finder first and foremost. Then I'm also on Verbo. So, you know, you can get crazy and go into, there's probably hundreds of sites now that offer marketing, but it's good to know the distinct differences. So Airbnb, I like it because you can still get really high rates and you can play that seasonal game a little bit more. Furnish Finder is not a booking platform. It's a lead generation. So what they offer mm -hmm. you is a bunch of people that have searched for your area. You know, they might have searched Denver, two bedrooms, this price point, and you have to reach out to them. So it's a little more work, but it's it's great. It just gives you like, you know, a list of 30 tenants that you can just blast it off to. So it works out really well. And it's very cheap. It's a hundred dollars a year per listing. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my next question was going to be, how do you make sure you you sync the calendars between Furnished Finders and Airbnb? But I guess that's not a that's not a challenge. You find the leads on Furnished Finder, and then you just direct them to your direct booking site or or, or your Airbnb listing. I mean, I imagine. Yeah, and it depends if you use like a a little bit of a you know property management software. So I use Hospitable. You can put those new bookings directly into that. And so Hospitable does like auto messaging and it'll send auto messages just to their direct email rather than through Airbnb or whatever, right? So you yeah. can connect with other sites like that, your Porter and Guesty. Yeah. What are some other differences between medium term and, and short term? You already mentioned it's it's less work. It might be a good option for you know seasonal markets. The uh, guests are less demanding. What What are some other things that people should keep in mind? It's nice to have an actual workspace in there. And so you might even consider having a monitor that someone can plug into because people like having that. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that they're going to be working there. Another thing that we like to consider is just that they're probably going to be cooking more. So you want more of a built out kitchen rather than just, you know, one frying pan and one pot. Sometimes Airbnbs are just a little bit slim in the kitchen area. So, you know, thinking about someone being there longer. Yeah, I would say those are kind of the main points. It's not yeah. terribly different. I'd say the last thing is that we give people a starter box of supplies. So, you know, they might have two rolls of toilet paper, paper towels, two trash bags, but we're not thinking like, wow, we have to supply them for six months. They're taking care of themselves. They're living there and they have yeah. their own kind of like pride of ownership happening. Two questions. Number one is I'm thinking like some workout area or maybe some weights or a yoga mat mm. or something like that might be might be useful too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a great idea for sure. I haven't is done it? it, but you could. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I'm just kind of looking at myself, <laughs> you know, like when, when I stay at an Airbnb, you know, I feel like since COVID, like everyone's like kind of a bit more focused on like living healthy and yeah. uh, just having like a pull up bar or something like that or some push-up, you know, how do you call those things? Handles can go a long way. 
I've interviewed people on the podcast actually who invested in like a Peloton bike, you know, to offer wow. their, their guests uh, a way to work out. So I think that's interesting. That's yeah, for sure. And uh, there was one more thing that I was thinking about. Oh yeah, stand up desk. Like I have a stand up mm. desk right here. To me, that's a yeah. game changer. I can't, totally. I can't sit on a normal desk and work all day because like my my back starts hurting. So for me, that's a huge game changer. If somebody has a stand up desk, I'm down. Jasper, why are you still working all day? <laughs> you should be free by now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. That's a good question. I was, I was just chatting with Eric about this on our last podcast. We're working like so many hours, but it doesn't feel stressful though. It's just kind of fun. That's you know good. what I'm saying? So Yeah, we all have our hustles. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We do take a break sometimes though. I'll, I will say that. Awesome. Well, we've already touched on quite a bit. Is there anything else that we that we haven't touched on that, that comes to your mind? I mean, just to tell people a little bit about the book since that's coming out soon. I like the book a lot because it's a lot of case studies. And so we made it a point to put personal stories in there and case studies from other investors. And so it just makes it a lot easier to read and more fun. So I'm hoping people are going to enjoy it. But yeah, yeah, I think it's a very accessible strategy. And you know, I want people to realize that, yeah, there's a lot of details that you can make it better, but the competition out there is not fierce. It is not like short-term rentals, which has become, you know, designers and boutique hotels. And there's a lot of experts in the space. Medium-term rentals are still a lot of, you know, grandma apartments and basement units with dark photos. Like it's easy to beat the competition if you have a little bit of know-how. Yeah. Is there, I'm trying to think like what other differences there are and pricing is one thing that comes to mind. Sure. Um, can you touch on maybe some pricing strategies? Yeah. So it's interesting, but I still use pricing software. And so if you're using price labs or beyond pricing, even though they're looking at it by day by day, it still adds up to a monthly price. And mm -hmm. so I find that it's good to still have that because what most people are doing on Furnish Finder is they have one price for the entire year, but they're really missing out on their high season. And so, you know, I've got some one bedroom apartments here where I can rent them for like 2,400 a month, but in June, July, I can get 3,000, then I can get 4,000. And so if I miss that, it's it's a big difference. And so it's just good to kind of know that you have that option. And that's why I still use Airbnb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. still good to get the get the seasonality of the of the pricing from the apps. And also I imagine yeah. also still the updates, right? Like the daily price updates that it sends, which helps mm -hmm. the ranking yeah. in the in the search results. Another thing that comes to mind is cleaning like do you do you offer like a mid-stay cleaning and what do you charge for that so we don't handle that basically it's one of our automated messages maybe three or four days in we have an automated message that goes out with our cleaners number and her hourly rate and just like hey if you want this obviously mm -hmm. we would love that they do that <laughs> we get them hooked up but I think it's just a nice thing to give our cleaners more clients right mm -hmm. but sure. yeah we don't include it yeah. Okay. That's and what about pets? Like, do you do you love pets? I don't. And there are a lot of people traveling with pets, but I find that especially the nurses with pets, they're at the hospital for really long hours. And I've had just a lot of damage or just like really dirtiness with mm. pets. And the regular nurses, 
not so much. So I really just stay away from pets. There's enough tenants and enough demand that I don't need to do it. Yeah. Okay. Is there yeah. a bigger risk as well sometimes? Because I can imagine like, let's say if your minimum is like 30 days and then yeah. you might have a whole month where you're not getting, where you're not, where you don't have anyone. How do you, yeah, so How do you manage that risk? That doesn't happen for me. What I find is that with a long-term rental, people are moving in the first or the 15th. With a short-term rental, it's any time, right? Medium-term rental is pretty similar. People are moving on the 28th or the 16th or the 8th. It's, you know, so you can really find tenants where it's the exact same day or one day apart. Is this generally what we look for? So one of the ways that I do that is I don't do instant book which is a disappointment because it does help you show up higher in Airbnb. But I would rather someone reach out to me because I know that medium term people generally have some flexibility. They might be driving out. They could come a couple days earlier, a couple days later. And so I want to like massage those dates with them. Mm, got it. So for yeah. example, let's just, let's just say like October 1st, somebody comes in, they stay for 30 days, right? So let's say 31 days. I think October is 31, no? Is it? It is. Maybe not. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's say, <laughs> let's say they stay for like till until the end of the month, right? And then let's say you have somebody else moving in on the 15th of November, right? Now you have these two weeks where like, what, what would you do there? Are you still allowing like a two week booking or are you then saying like, okay, well, these two weeks, we're not going to be occupied. So it depends. If I'm in a place where I can do short and medium term, then yeah. But for the other ones, I only open the calendar five weeks at a time. So I'm not letting people book, you know, in February when I'm still in October, because that will screw up my ability to kind of massage the dates, right? So I'm really trying to keep away the gaps. So I'm I, I'm just not allowing that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, can you on Airbnb, you set like a minimum night stay of 30 days? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And so then if people inquire, you, you kind of, you talk to them, you discuss the dates first through, through the Airbnb messaging app. Yeah. You see if you can come to an agreement on like the exact dates and then you'll, you'll book that guests. And then after that, you're basically going to be looking, you know, for an, another guests, another guest who's going to stay 30 plus days, kind of starting around the time that that other person is leaving. I imagine, right? Yeah. So if you know for sure that they're leaving, because a lot of times these 30-day guests will say like, hey, I might extend, and then they keep extending. And I've had people mm. stay almost a year sometimes, which is great. Um, okay. But they, I tell them I need at least two weeks notice. So yeah, that's when they understand. let me know whether they're going to extend or not. And then I'll open the calendar for the next five weeks. And the first line I have mm. in my listings is that this is a month-to-month -month rental if you want longer stays, just let me know. So it's not perfect for the search algorithm because, you know, if they're putting in 60 days or 90 days, they may not see us. So I think people have gotten smart that are doing those longer stays that they kind of look for minimum 30 days, but then they, they're a little flexible. Got yeah. it. So they're kind of assuming that they could, can extend their stay once they're in. Yeah. They check in with you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you keep your calendar closed essentially until yeah. two weeks before your guest leaves. And then you ask your yeah. guest like, Hey, do you want to extend? If not, you're, you open up your calendar for another five weeks after the yeah. guest leaves. Right. 
Okay. That makes a little sense. And are you able to, what, what's your average occupancy on your, your midterms? I think that I only have maybe two to three days in between stays ever. So it's pretty booked. Yeah. Pretty much booked up the whole, the whole time. Yep. Even through the slow season. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And how does that compare to your short-term rentals? Short-term rentals. I, I always think that if it's above 70%, it's good. And of course it has more to do with how much you're able to charge per night and that, because some places they have pretty low occupancy, but they're happy because they make a lot per night. So I think it just depends. But even with my short-term rentals, I'm not opening months in advance because I know that if I hit a slow season, I want to try to get a longer-term stay. So most of my calendars, I'm just inching open, you know, five weeks at a time. Yeah. And then what if what if you get closer to that five-week period and you don't have a booking yet? Like, do you have any strategies for filling it up last minute? Okay, so I'm going to tell you my secret. Furnish Finder, right? They give you everybody's email. You can email them within the platform, but it's kind of clunky. So we just email them through Gmail. But what I do in that is instead of having one listing for, or one having a listing per unit, I might have three or four listings in the same town. So I just have one listing and I send them an email with all the links on Airbnb. Now, what people might not know is that Airbnb SEO is based on clicks. So if you're just shooting it out, even if it's not available, even if whatever, people in there clicking on that is having you show up higher. And so you might get a booking through Airbnb because of it. So yeah, we utilize the the clicks. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I should, so if I if I need some more bookings, I could just like ask a hundred people to click on my listing and then that's gonna bump it up in the search results. Yeah. Have you not tried that before? <laughs> That's why people post them on Facebook and stuff. Too, you just I'm get being, people being, to click. I'm just being too honest. You know? like, I don't want to blame the system. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, boom. I'm sending out an email tomorrow. Everybody click on my Airbnb listing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and awesome. they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting strategy. Uh, I'm definitely going to give that a try. Yeah. Awesome, Siona. Well, this is, yeah, it was super interesting chatting with you. Any any final thoughts when it comes? I know you're you're focused on uh, investing with your with your podcast. You know, any any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah, I believe that real estate is our quickest way to financial independence, and so I think that like as soon as someone can get started, you don't have to move fast. You don't have to have a hundred units, but just get yourself a place, and then you know maybe in a couple of years get the next place and have a little bit of a plan. And you're bound to be free. You're bound to have a good retirement. So yeah. it's that easy. Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree with that. I think we both kind of in the same boat when it comes to owning real estate. I think we both mm-hmm. see the value in that. Especially now yeah. you look at you look at inflation. And I you know, I, I was talking to my mom the other day, ask and, and we were talking about like the the amount of money that my parents paid for their home um, mm. like 30 years ago. And it's just mind blowing. It's it's absolutely yeah. mind blowing, right? And then you see like how acquiring real estate, especially at a young age, you know, yes, by the time you're totally. retiring, that thing is just gonna be worth so much more, right? Than what you paid for. So definitely yeah. yeah, definitely wealth is being generated by owning real estate. I think that's a good message to end this podcast with. So mm-hmm. thanks so much 
for joining and and where can we find your new book and and by the way did you say i'm in i'm also in your book or now you are in my book yay hey. <laughs> so you did a case study for me years ago on my blog so i kind of adapted the story and put you in as a case study so i should shoot you a copy of the book i will do that the book is coming out through bigger pockets we've got pre-sale starting towards the end of September, and then it'll officially launch in early November. So take a awesome. look. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to, to read it and I look right. forward to receiving that copy. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Siona. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode about medium term rental strategies. And of course, on Friday, Eric and I will be back with episode of str conversations so have a great week and we'll see you on friday thank you so much for listening to get paid for your pad the number one podcast for airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals we really hope you enjoyed the show and if you want to learn more about hosting on airbnb and building a short-term rental business then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com and if you're just starting out on Airbnb make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course um, so if you want to have a chance to win access to the course uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon so thank you for listening check back every monday for a new episode of the host show and every friday for an episode of sdr conversations of the get paid for your pad podcast Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.